that somewhere around nine, eight to nine inches that is the normal size that you're going to see in porn. Now, this is literally double the average male penis size. This is going to make your average male, who is completely fine and normal, feel incredibly not fine and normal. They are also at the performers, you know, so they have to get a, an erection and maintain an erection to perform sexually. This is what men are dealing with silently. It's something that is never talked about. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here, and today's episode was so much fun for Jade and I to record. Uh, if you don't know, Jade is one of my closest friends. He and I are doing an ongoing relationship series. So every time we get together, we record a bunch of episodes and then we release them out. And in 2023, uh, he and I have some more projects that go above and beyond uh, the podcast that we will be continuing to record uh, jointly uh, all about relationships. So keep your eyes peeled because we have a lot to share in 2023. There are big, big plans. Uh, that have been in the works for a couple of years that we are finally going to be revealing. So back to the episode, the penis episode. <laughs> and truly though, th- this, this episode is so needed. This episode is so needed. We are addressing um, everything from erectile issues to how to be a better lover in the bedroom, whether you are a man or a woman. And we, I, we're not talking like we aren't giving you techniques. That's not what this is about. And, and we are not uh, coming at this from the position of thinking that, that we are, you know, incredible lovers and therefore have everything to share about that. We are coming at this from the angle of getting curious about yourself, getting curious about your partner, getting curious about um, cultivating a really beautiful, meaningful relationship and and sexual experiences for yourself and with your, your partner or your potential partners and using that to create deeper connection and, and more beautiful, fulfilling, healthy relationships and, and exploring pleasure from different angles and also really getting into a lot of the male insecurities that can come up around everything to do with penises in a lot of ways and just in the bedroom in general and how if you're if you are uh, someone who is in a relationship with a man how you can go about helping to create an environment that feels emotionally and psychologically safe for that man to open up to and obviously vice versa like that's that's a two-way street but we are coming at this in this particular episode a little bit more from the angle of uh, male insecurities and almost like 
like emotional foreplay, but not just for women, like for men too. Um, there are some really important points that I want you to pay attention to in this one. There We cover a lot and there are some aspects of this that are probably going to trigger you a little bit. I mean, every time Jade and I release an episode, there's usually things in there that end up triggering people, but I, I want to encourage you to listen to what we have to say, then give it a thought, take what you want, leave the rest. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to dive into this one. And additionally, I wanted to let you know that my men's group is relaunching. Uh, we are starting on January 18th of 2023. Super, super excited for this one. The first round was just incredible. It is one of the the absolute best things that I have ever done in my business to date. Um, just the results that these guys saw in eight weeks, it was just astonishing. And we're actually continuing on. So once once the the men go through the initial eight week program, they have the opportunity. There's no there's no pressure at all, but you have the opportunity to join an ongoing uh, men's membership where I also continue to bring in guest speakers and we meet biweekly uh, for sessions, teaching, coaching, all these incredible things that are coming out of it. And uh, all the guys that were in that one have have joined the, the next round, and I'm just so excited to have them. I can't wait to welcome on the next round of men. So if you are a man or if you have men in your life, you are definitely going to want to check this out. Jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com for all the details. And if you're listening to this after it has already launched, make sure to go sign up on the waitlist for the next round. Super, super excited about this. Let's dive in. Today we are, we've talked a lot about like different aspects of this that we wanted to cover. And I think we've sort of come up with a, a few different areas that we really want to hit on. And we are going to kind of talk about male insecurities and diving into that because they affect all of us. And I think that there's a lot of aspects of this that uh, don't get covered quite as often. And we're going to start with the part that often gets, um, when you and I have discussed this with your family over the last few days and and some friends, it has gotten the most uh, attention. So we are going to lead off with the penis talk. (laughs) Yeah, it's hilarious. So my my family, for you listeners, are just incredibly... (laughs) <laughs> what is it? What would you say? Liberal in terms Very of like sexually like liberal, sexually liberal. Yes. So we have lots of <laughs> and I have teenage. Well, I guess they're not teenagers anymore, but early 20s, late teens. Well, Zen is. So my nephews I have three nephews and two uh, nieces. And uh, yeah, they and they're all young in their late teens, early 20s. And of course, always asking about sex. And Emily was at the house uh, and. We were like, hey, we'll do, we were you know talking about maybe doing a, a podcast on penises and male insecurity and stuff like that. And they were like, oh, my God, like especially the nieces. Yeah, and they had some like, friends over, too, and they were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> we want more. All the guys and the girls were like, that, you know, so this may be something, you know, for the slightly younger crowd. But I think you'll get, uh, regardless of your age, you're going to relate to this. And I think it's just useful to kind of have this discussion around men. Because we often don't think of men as um, being insecure, and it's, it, especially with a penis, is a really interesting thing. Because you know, if you look at it right, like I, I even think, like just if you, you know, if you go, men obviously have to show, right? So you know, it's something that is on the outside of their body. Women are very tucked in in their genitalia. It's not something that you would uh, necessarily compare outright from woman to woman. This is probably why breast size is more what women do in that regard. But for men, penis size is definitely something that I think uh, men are thinking about. And uh, not just penis size, but 
uh, all the aspects of that. Like, is it normal? Does it look normal? Am I circumcised, uncircumcised? What culture am I in? And how does that uh, sort of relate? And um, all of these kinds of issues around um, this. Now, one of the ways I'll lead off with this, and then I'll see what kind of questions you want to ask, is just a consideration to think about for a second. Um, we are like it or not, and there's a whole dynamic around this, and I'm sure Emily and I will tackle it in a future podcast episode, but like it or not, uh, we are a culture, at least in the West, that is very much inundated with porn, and porn is something that many people, especially men, and I, I do think that this is certainly bared out, the research has been done on this, men are more engaged with porn than women. Now, plenty of women are, but there are far more men that engage in porn than women. Now, think about the idea of pornography and men relating to pornography. And imagine, and this is also all you know, sort of data that we know, the average male in porn has a penis size that is seven inches on the low end and you know, like 12 inches on the high end, but it's somewhere around nine, eight to nine inches that is the normal size that you're gonna see in porn. Now, this is literally double the average male penis size. The average male penis size is about five inches, and this is erect. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you're a man listening to this and you want to actually know how this is measured, or if you're a woman, you measure basically to the base of the penis at the side of the penis up to the very tip of the penis erect. Now, if we're talking about flaccid penis, we're talking about it's about three inches uh, on average for men. And there are growers and showers, and we'll mm -hmm. talk a little bit about this, and I'll just give you a brace, basic course on this really quickly, and then we'll see where Emily wants to go with this. But right away, you see, okay, well, I'm five inches erect, and I'm looking at porn, and these men are seven inches at minimum, and 12, you know, up to 12 inches maximum. This is going to make any male, especially a male who is not engaged with sports, isn't in locker rooms, isn't seeing other men, other penises, which is normally the case, this is going to make your average male, who is completely fine and normal, feel incredibly not fine and normal relative to penis size. This is a big deal. And then, of course, uh, men, not only are men the showers, where they're outwardly showing their genitalia, they are also at the performers. You know, so they have to uh, get a, an erection and maintain an erection to perform sexually. So these are two areas that are completely um, where men can feel very insecure about either the way they look, the, 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 the way the genital looks, the genitals look, and um, also related to the way these perform. And if you're in the Western world and you're circumcised um, and you're, you're someone from outside the Western world and uncircumcised living in one of these countries, that also can be something that is... Uh, an issue of insecurity. And so this is what men are dealing with silently. It's something that is never talked about. And it is something that I think is really important as we get into insecurities in general in relationships. And we could talk a little bit about how that, you know, sort of bleeds over into the way men would approach sex and, and whether they're willing to talk about sex or uh, what they need to say. And the final thing I'll say here, just because a lot of men don't know this, 
Most women do because most the average woman is going to see more penises than the average man, <laughs> right? And there are growers and showers. So a lot of women talk about this, this amongst themselves. A lot of men don't necessarily know this. And essentially what this means is a grower is someone, let's say, whose flaccid penis is, you know, three inches and grows to, let's say, seven inches. Uh, a shower would be someone, let's say, whose uh, flaccid penis is, let's say, four inches and they grow to five inches. And so one of the interesting things about that, this is that you can't necessarily look at a male's flaccid penis to see how big that male may grow to um, on erection. And this is another thing that can be uh, another thing that can be very um, uh, insecurity for men. Uh, the other thing is, is that uh, there is the cremaster muscle, which sort of pulls the, the, uh, the, the testicles into the body and the suspensory ligament, which kind of pulls the shaft closer to the body. So if you are cold, this cremaster muscle is going to uh, constrict and contract and pull the, gen the testicles up into the body, closer to the body. And if you have a very tight suspensory ligament, this can also pull the shaft of the penis closer to the body. Now imagine you're also overweight and you've got a very strong suspensory ligament and you also have a lot of uh, uh, fat around the, this area that also can make you appear much smaller than you actually are. And also body size uh, has to deal with this. The final thing I'll say here is that women, when you ask them in surveys what they prefer, they do prefer slightly bigger penises than average, but they don't prefer giant penises. It's about six inches on average that a woman would prefer, which is right in line with the five to seven inches that is the average for most men. They do, women do often say in surveys that they find larger penises more erotic to look at, but aren't necessarily preferring them sexually. So this is something that uh, we can get into, and we can get into some of the issues around uh, any area you want to go, Emily, in terms of premature ejaculation, erection issues, what may be causing that. But this just sort of sets up the conversation around this that, you know, men have a lot of issues in this area in terms of insecurity, and it's a big deal if you're romantically interested in men how to work, you know, sort of around this. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, before we kind of like dive more into the, the, even more into the penis side of this in terms of maybe like some erectile issues and stuff like that, um, I was telling you about some research that I had come across that I found fascinating that when they, when they did eye tracking um, motions, when they, we, when they tracked people's eye movements as they were watching porn, both men and women watching porn, the men were actually far more likely to be focused on the woman's, this is heterosexual porn that they're watching, focused on the woman's eyes and lips and their faces in general and, and like making sure that they were enjoying it and, and the reaction that they were having to the intercourse or whatever sexual act was being performed. Whereas the women were actually much more like much more likely to be focused on the male genitalia. And it, that it seems like it, stereotypically that that would be reversed. But I wanted to share that to kind of show just how invested most men really are in the woman's pleasure more so than is often given credit for. And they may not perhaps always express it in the best possible way, but I do think that that's important to, to mention. The other part is um, 
the, I'd love to get into a little bit more of erectile dysfunction mm -hmm. with you because this is something that is becoming more prevalent, um, partly because of porn addiction. There are a variety of, of other reasons that can come into this, but that's one of them. And there is so much, there's so much related to erectile dysfunction that is rooted in the emotional and psychological aspects that don't get uh, considered quite as often. Mm -hmm. And so it can, it can be that the, a, a pill like Viagra, Cialis, whatever, is assigned to just pop a pill and that'll fix the problem. But what's interesting is that I have seen this in both my personal and professional life where men who have perhaps struggled with erectile issues potentially for years, when they are in the context of a relationship where they actually feel emotionally and psychologically safe, all of a sudden they don't have any issues anymore. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really big issue. So let's tackle this. The first thing that uh, I think women and men need to know about uh, erections is just a little bit about um, some of the biochemistry and some of the, the science behind it. So let's go through that because then that gets into some of like how to know if this is due to uh, cardiovascular disease, for example, or whether this is mental emotional. So uh, one of the things that you like to, I like to think about is the brain, the biochemistry, right? And sort of blood, the blood flow. So the brain stuff has to do with the parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system. Parasympathetic is rest, digest, right? Uh, you also can think of it as point, erection. Uh, sympathetic is more f uh, flee, fight, freeze. And you also can think of it as shoot for ejaculation. Now, these two sides of the nervous system need to be balanced. Now, imagine you are someone who is hypervigilant. You have a stressed out physiology and you have a history of trauma and or abuse, including sexual abuse. Um, you what we know about this, especially adverse child events, is that the sympathetic system and the parasympathetic system have some dysregulation. Uh, sort of going on. So there's either suppression and or amplification of the sympathetic system. And it can be either or. And this it can cause then issues in the bedroom with erections. But in this regard, remember, point is parasympathetic. You need to be relaxed. You need to feel safe uh, to get an erection and keep an erection. Uh, sympathetic innervation has to do with ejaculation. So this will tell you a little bit in terms of if someone can uh, get an erection, maintain an erection, but is never able to actually ejaculate or it takes them a very long time, this might be someone who is in a very parasympathetic state and or has put themselves in a very parasympathetic state, like with marijuana or something like that, or, and or alcohol, but alcohol is tricky because it can go either way here. Um, Versus someone who uh, can't get an erection or has a softer, not, a f not necessarily a full erection, um, but ejaculates very quickly. This could be someone who has some dysregulation in this area as well. We could talk a little bit about um, how to deal with this. But one of the, the, the best ways to deal with this is to uh, meditation, things like uh, masturbation without ejaculation, edging, holding off, things like this, things that teach the penile nervous system, the brain-penis connection, to regulate uh, better. Now, with the biochemistry, this has to do a lot with testosterone. Testosterone actually has impact on the spongy tissue of the penis that makes it able to um, dilate blood vessels. Um, and so testosterone actually increases certain sensitivity to things like nitric oxide in the blood that can actually fill up the penis. And the penis works 
just so everyone knows, it kind of works like as the pressure builds up, what it does is blood flow rushes into the penis and certain uh, blood vessels uh, expand and dilate and open up and others constrict. So it creates this sort of hydrostatic pressure. So this sort of blood flow in, uh, almost like pinching off the end of a hose to increase pressure. This is partly how that works. And it has to do with testosterone levels. Normal testosterone levels are important for that, for that uh, penile tissue to be sensitive to this. And then the final aspect is nitric oxide is a really big aspect of this, which dilates blood vessels to rush blood in. And believe it or not, one of the most interesting areas of research here is bacteria in the back of the tongue uh, actually fix dietary nitrates into nitrite, which is made into nitric oxide. So we know that things that are very high in nitrates, beets and arugula being big ones, uh, so men who we are eating a lot of salads, believe it or not, they get a lot of nitrates. We're not talking about, uh, you know, bacon and, and some of these things that are put nitrates. You get far more from things like deep leafy greens, collards, kale, Brussels sprouts. But probably the biggest ones and most popular ones are going to be beets and arugula. They provide a lot of nitric oxide. And you will notice an effect, most men will notice an effect of stronger erections, better lasting erections when they use nitric oxide and there are supplements out there on you know that basically increase arginine and or uh, amino acids like citrulline that uh, will raise arginine levels and so this is partly what they're doing but that gives you a basic background on this now the final thing i'll say here for older men normally uh, erectile dysfunction is going to come from cardiovascular issues and they're going to benefit perhaps more from making sure they don't have low testosterone, getting more nitric oxide and uh, nitrates into the body. Younger men, it's almost always going to be, although we are seeing an uptick in low testosterone levels in men and, and very low sperm levels, by the way, but it's going to be more likely to be um, related to mental emotional stuff. So that gives you, a, a, you know, sort of a balance there, and, and I don't know where you want to go with that, Emily, or what the questions would B, certainly uh, people who are romantically encountering men or interested in men are going to run into a lot of these issues. I don't know one man, including myself, who hasn't at some point had a romantic encounter where their erections were problematic, either because of drinking, either because of, uh, you know, things that went on in their, their life. Actually, I'll just be vulnerable with you all here. I had an issue shortly after my affair and my divorce. I had about a two-year period of time there where not only was my sexual libido gone, but I was just like, my erections are just gone, you know, and I didn't really know what to do about that. It was the first time in my life that I had an issue like that. It was completely related to uh, some of the uh, mental, emotional turmoil and stress that I was undergoing. And so this is often not talked about, that lack of erections are perhaps a sign of mood issues and or other things. And you will find drugs heavily involved here as well. Thank you for sharing that because I, I think it's really important for, for like everyone, but particularly men to hear that from another man. And, and even in my professional life, I, I have had multiple men come to me and, and explain to me in, in our work together that following a really bad breakup or something like that, that that's something that they have faced and dealt with. And just hearing the reassurance that that is actually normal. And, and I think that women re need to really understand this as well, because women can take it very personally in terms of thinking that it's about them. Mm -hmm. And that can just add even more pressure 
to the poor guy who is already feeling insecure about this issue that he's dealing with. And then he's also then trying to manage the woman's emotional reaction to feeling like she must somehow not be enough of a turn on for the guy. I actually saw some, some thread where, um, where there was some talk about what, what goes on in a man's head when he's not uh, able to have an erection. And <laughs> what that stands out to me is that this guy said, I need you to understand that my penis is not a universal judge of your hotness. <laughs> Because, so true. Right? Because yeah. that's the thing. But women take it so personally mm. because it's as though the penis determines whether or not we're attractive or not. <laughs> and I think more women need to understand the very wide-ranging issues of this. And listen, ladies, we have our own internal issues that, and that we struggle with in that general area. Um, and it, trust me, we've all, we've all dealt with that. But there is, I feel, a certain degree of privilege that can come with having internal organs that don't demonstrate outwardly mm -hmm. something that could make someone else insecure like immediately. Well, and you know, one <laughs> thing I'll add here just for women to kind of get what this is about is uh, every woman I think has a, a degree of understanding that her level of lubrication during sex, they've, you know, you, if you've ever had a situation where you're like, you're into somebody, but you're not as wet as you would like mm -hmm. to be because all women are different. This is not an indication of what you, how hot you think this no. guy is, how bad you want to sleep with him, all of that. This is the same thing with men. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I'd love to explore a little bit more around, um, how how we can tie this in with diving a little bit deeper into the mental and emotional aspects of this how we can cultivate emotional and psychological safety within a relationship and what is it about certain relationships that make literally someone's penis feel safer mm -hmm. to to have an erection and looking at some of those those differences because a lot of times we don't even necessarily realize that we perhaps feel unsafe in a relationship until we are far enough away from it or get enough distance from it or have uh, a completely different experience that so then we can look back on that other instance and go oh I you know I, I thought I was super comfortable that with them but actually I wasn't and that's a big reason why I maybe was having some difficulty in that particular area well I, uh, the big thing I was saying I think a lot th this may th I'll try to go with older adults and younger adults and meaning that you know, people in their 20s, normally early 20s, are going to deal with this a little different. Let me, let me just talk a little bit about this in general, in, in terms of the sexual thing. One of the biggest mistakes people make, I think, and, and, they, and I think it, it continues into adulthood, so I think this is for older individuals and younger individuals, uh, is the degree to which the speed at which people want to get uh, in bed with each other, mm. right? So from my perspective, the first thing, if you are a man who, or you're dealing with a man who might have some insecurities, this is why to me, this whole thing, remember this, this idea of like, you know, women, and I, I have said this to you, uh, we've talked, I've talked about this with a lot of women where I'm just like, I'm a big proponent of women not just jumping into bed with men, not because it's like this idea when you're younger, it's like, oh, not, it has nothing to do with because they'll think you're sexually mm -hmm. promiscuous, has nothing to do with that. It has to do with so you can enjoy the connection and the dynamic and really get to know this person before you get intimate with them so that you can avoid some very common things like love bombing and, you know, some of these things where it's like, you know, uh, dysfunction where the man now just sees you as something sexual, never actually got to, to get to know you. And, and with men, it's very important because a man who feels like a lack of safety 
in relationships. Here's what's going on with a man. I can just help everyone sort of understand this. Men sexually feel like, and don't know where we necessarily got this idea, but men want to win, and they feel like they want to win, and they feel like their sexual prowess is a direct indication of the kind of man they are. And so a lot of men make a really big mistake if they're new to uh, sexual encounters or just watching porn, that it's about penetration and it's about, you know, I always I go penetration and pounding. This is what <laughs> men think it's about. And they want to get as fast as possible from zero to penetration and pounding. When in reality, that is not really what sex is. It's not porn. Sex should be really about connection. And the best sex is about connection. Now, this is assuming, okay, this is assuming that this is someone who really wants a depth relationship. And a lot of people who are younger, let's just face it, they might say they want a depth relationship, but they really are just still exploring. Either way, whether you are in this exploring thing or whether you are really looking for connection, I really think you need to avoid the direct you know, sort of uh, pounding type, penetration and pounding type of situation. Most people don't enjoy jackrabbit sex. <laughs> it, it, that, well, that's the thing, right? Most people don't when you talk to them. Most women, most men don't know that women don't just want to be climbed on and just pounded. They want to be touched. They want to be caressed. They want to go slow, figure these things out, even if it's just a general encounter. It's like you need to get to know the person a little bit. Touching is extremely uh, under, uh, you know, sort of valued. And I think, you know, women can do themselves a favor by being like, I'm not just going to jump into this thing. Men can do themselves a favor by not getting their clothes off right away, making out, touch other things and not just jumping right into it. And to me, I, I just go, look, three sexual encounters before actual uh, penetration. I also would say to men, like, you know, there's some rules here. Like, um, Allow her to touch you, you touch her, you know. So to me, I'm like, after three, you know, sort of dates, then you start to, you know, get, uh, you know, learn to touch her, you know, right? Learn to touch her and maybe don't even penetrate her until the, the fourth or fifth date. Like, it's just, you know, touch. Learn how to touch her so that you know and she's guiding you. Now, men don't know this, and so part of it is self-inflicted. They just go, I got to get in bed real quick. And I got to perform real quick. And you're setting yourself up for failure. Now, if you're someone that already knows, you don't want to just make these general rules. But if you're someone there's just a lot of chemistry in the room and it's, you're really turned on, don't, you know, then go with it. But if you're someone that's like, I know I tend to have an issue with this. I tend to get erectile issues until I feel comfortable. Then you really need to take this slow. I will say a couple other things for uh, women, you know, learn to enjoy a flaccid penis and learn to like, you know, be as curious about a flaccid penis as an erect penis and learn how to use your hands as well. I would say, especially with your current lover, this is another thing that I would say, uh, we can fall into these difficult things. Like, I don't know how many times I've had my guy friends just like, you know, the old fashioned, like just a hand job would be like, I just love that, you know, and no one wants to do that anymore. And how many girls have said, you know, fingers are under, underrated and touch I is said underrated. That to you the other day, I was like, getting yeah, someone was that off. You? Yeah, yeah exactly. I said, a man getting a woman off with their with their fingers is an underrated skill that like not enough men have mastered. <laughs> a absolutely, and I would say the uh, I would say the same thing with uh, women and men. Now, of course, it's gross generalization here. That's the of problem course. talking about sex. Uh, we talked about this as well, like uh, talking about insecurity. People have different sexual 
proclivities, and they're oftentimes very insecure about their sexual proclivities. And what I would say is that um, you and I talked about this idea that, you know, if I'm very experimental in bed and uh, my partner is very conventional in bed and we're at the extremes of that, that is a potential issue. However, if, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, she's like a 4 conventional experimental and I'm like a 7 experimental conventional, that is potentially fantastic sex and there's some there's some leeway in there and to me it's understanding these dynamics insecurity comes from the idea that everyone's this way and I don't fit the mold instead of realizing that first of all no they're not everyone is not this way they're all very individual so you men out there who are just like all this is how it's done and everyone has you know, nine-inch penises, and they're able to get their woman off with just, you know, whatever, because I'm watching porn all the time, not true. And also the idea that women want, you know, someone to just penetrate and pound them, not true. So what that does is allows you to go, oh, I have a particular way that I approach this, particular interest sexually, and I don't need to be insecure about it. Instead, I just need to cultivate it, be able to communicate it uh, in a way and be able to be comfortable within that. And that means going slow, learning to communicate, not just jumping into bed. I think insecurities come from this place with a lot of men. And I also think, uh, you know, that uh, talking about this, like one of the things I, I told you, I was on this, man, this men's group, men's panel once, uh, several years back, and there were about 100-some women in the audience, and the question from the all, it was basically three men and all women. And the question was about porn. And two of the guys on the panel with me took the, the uh, perspective of how dangerous porn is, how it is not a good thing for society, and made some decent points. However, I go, porn is a reality. And so one of the things I said is that instead of trying to take something that we know is going to go on and you're not going to be able to stop, why not use it to your advantage and understand the porn that your man likes and and for the man also understand the porn that you like and the fantasy land that you live in and so that you can begin to have conversations around that and get comfortable with that the idea is that you're not abnormal um, and that no one is the same in this realm and we need to explore uh, you know where we are in that and there's there's you know sort of two ways to look at this there there's the hypothesis of the hand and glove hypothesis penis and vaginal fit and then there's the 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 sort of fit psychological fit you know whether or not you know someone is more conventional more experimental more dominant more submissive this kind of thing so i think with insecurities the first one of the first conversations you have to have is this this idea that everyone's a little bit different and you should you know work to understand yourself and then work to understand the, your partners and how you know he or she is different, and then work to merge that, and that's going to be a better situation. There's so many points that I want to dig into with that. One of them, um, I studied under Cam Fraser, who's a very well-known uh, male sexologist therapist. He's he's incredible, and he specializes in in men's sexuality. I had him on my podcast, and people have just raved about that episode because he he covers so many beautiful aspects of it. And one of one of many things that I've I've uh, talked to about with, with him and that he teaches on is the exploration essentially of a flaccid penis because the, it, just because the penis is erect the nerve endings are still the same 
Like the nerve endings are there, whether the penis is flaccid or whether it is not, it, it doesn't make any difference. So it's almost as though there's like this fear of a flaccid penis, like, like women maybe don't know what to do with it. And men are afraid to have one. And I'm like, can we just accept that? Like a flaccid penis is still a penis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's better or worse. What can we do to bring pleasure in that particular instance? And for, for men, like how can you, and I would offer this advice to women as well. Everyone needs to get better at exploring your own bodies and not necessarily making that so centered, so, um, so centered on like just the clitoris or like just the, the penis. How can you, if you're masturbating, like bring a more pleasurable experience into exploring different parts of your body, noticing, like if you really lightly touch your arm, like the sensation of how that feels being in the present moment with yourself. And that can end up translating into a far better sexual experience when you are with someone else then as well. And in terms of the, the types and stuff too, I think that that's really important to, to bring into conversations around, uh, sexual chemistry and really noticing these different aspects and the different types of, of fit and everything else. I think that there's so many areas that we need to be able to, to tap into with this, a question that, um, that I post to you that I have posed to many people and I usually direct it towards, uh, sex, but it can actually apply to relationships. It can apply to a, a variety of different contexts is, are you most seeking, um, pleasure connection or transcendence? Mm. And the first question that most people usually have is define transcendence. I'm like, you define transcendence. Like what does transcendence mean to you? A lot of times when we are, if, if you are someone who orients towards wanting to create and cultivate a very deeply connected romantic relationship and sexual connection within that relationship, there can often be parts of ourselves that, that we want to transcend into something new. Like that's part of the, the growth aspect. So however you define that, and I'm not saying that we have to pick one over the other, all three play a beautiful and really important role, but is there something that you are more focused on? If you are solely focused on pleasure, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful thing, but then you may uh, be able to cultivate pleasure with just some random that you uh, meet on the street. And that's, that's fine. That's great. If you want connection, that's a, a little bit different Then you can have both, you know, cultivating that a little bit more transcendence is probably in my opinion, more likely if you are engaged with someone that you care for deeply, like that both parties are very mutually reciprocal in their feelings on, on towards each other and about the relationship. Mm -hmm. And you have you're creating pleasure, you're creating connection, and you are growing that into something different to tap into different versions of yourselves, both individually and within the context of the relationship. Yeah, well, I think with men, I think this is a big, a big problem with men. And I think it goes back to this idea. If you're a man, p part of one of the biggest insecurities for men in this realm would be um, the idea that they're not good in, in bed, right? Like men take a, a lot of, and so do women, you know, it's like this idea that um, you and I were laughing. I was laughing at this with you because I had this thing that people go, and I'll just share this with you. You guys can see how you feel with this, but it'll go into this. To me, I'm like people who say I'm good in bed. This I, is what I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Yes, thank you for P bringing. People who go, this. oh, I'm so good <laughs> in bed, or uh, you know, and you hear. Honestly, I hear this a lot more from women than I do men. I really I have. Ne I have never really heard one of my male friends go, I'm really good in bed. I have only ever heard that from women. I'm such a stud. To, to, yeah, I've never, <laughs> I've, I haven't, I haven't heard that. And I go, part of me just goes, um, the fact that you said that, now this might trigger some people, but I'm, I am very defined on this, goes, no, you're not. And here's the reason why. If you think you're good in bed, then you think there's a way to do sex. 
most of the time. Now, there is a caveat to this, which I'll get to, which means that you probably do it one way. You're like, I give a great blowjob, right, or something like that. And I'm like, maybe to the guy you dated when you were 15, when you first started doing that, and then now that's what you do, and you think every single man responds to that in the exact same way. That, to me, goes, that is not what good sex really is. Good sex is finding out what that particular man wants, what lights him up, and that particular woman wants. So to me, I think, you know, insecurity-wise, you know, for both men and women being like, am I good in bed? First of all, I think if you think you are, then you're probably making the mistake that everyone is built the same, that every penis is built the same, every vagina is built the same, every brain, sex brain is built the same, and you're just doing the same thing, right? You, you, you know, you're, you're basically doing oral the same way on every single person, or you're doing sex the same way. This, to me, is the breeding ground. The underlying um, assumption is wrong, and it's the breeding ground for insecurity. The best way to be good is to be thinking about it like, I wonder if, I'll, if our sex will be good. How can I be good in bed for this person? It's a far more humble, a far more exploratory, a far more meeting someone sort of in the middle. That's the first thing I would say. Now, the other thing I would say is, especially for men, because I do think they perhaps fall more into this category of just pleasure. And the reason why they, I think they do is a very important reason. Women don't experience pleasure the same way as men, and it's far more nuanced. We can just look at how, me, how often do women orgasm compared to men. Men, from the time they be puberty, it's pretty much a straight shot. 90% of the time, they report orgasm. It's basically stimulation to orgasm. That is not the case for women. It is not stimulation to orgasm. In fact, many women will tell you, you can stimulate me all day long, but if you don't stimulate my brain or I don't hear you or you're not talking to me or whatever it is that that woman's into, they can't get off. Um, if they, you know, so to me, men need to understand this. So if men are just about pleasure, this is going to come, come into their insecurities because what a lot of women are going to say is that's a selfish man. This is being friends with women. I hear this all the time, but I've done, sir, I had a data points of surveys for women that had about 2,500 data points where I asked about what women's, what women wanted and what their biggest complaint was. And I can tell you the biggest complaint that seemed to come up over and over again was, uh, and this was a hetero, cis hetero, uh, you know, survey. And the term they used was selfish lovers. Mm. This was a really big issue for women. And basically when you dig into this, it's basically a man who penetrates and pounds and gets off. And doesn't really leave much for the women. And we also know men have a very long refractory period, uh, unless you're a very young man in general. And so that leaves the woman without much pleasure. And that is a selfish, uh, that's what they mean by selfish lover. So I would say if you're a man in your pleasure, connection, transcendence, peace, if you're just after pleasure and you're a man, that right there is going to feed into your insecurity about being a good lover because you're probably not going to um, be pleasing your woman. However, if you're about pleasure for your partner, and I do think this is the better way for a man to approach sex, that you always come second just by the dynamics, and you also get comfortable without coming, and, you know, you understand that, communicate that with your lover, and women get comfortable with men not actually coming and allowing them to receive and just receive and to play this game with lovers. This is a better way to deal with this. But I do, I'll say briefly about your you know, this idea, and I, I, don't, I don't normally think about it this way, but if I was going to think about pleasure versus connection versus transcendence, to me, I would say 
that pleasure plus connection um, and assuming connection has a very strong uh, uh, component of presence there is is going to lead to transcendence. To me, transcendence simply means if you've ever meditated, you know what this is like when you drop you drop into this place where you kind of are like, well, I'm nowhere. I'm no one. There's no time. There's like I just feel like I'm sort of in this other world. To me, that's what, uh, you know, transcendence and sex is like. It's like this mutual meditation that is um, uh, about being connected and, and, and uh, immersing yourself into the pleasure. If you, if you want to understand it more, think of uh, listening to an amazing song where you close your eyes and you let the music take you away. You could be present with the music. You could be listening to the music. But it's only this place where you just immerse yourself in it and allow all the other distractions to sort of go away, which is why I think if you're totally like, am I doing it right? Is she going to come? Is, is he turned on? How come he's not completely hard? Uh, any of the, all this stuff that you're thinking about in bed, you're not getting, you're not, first of all, you're not connected. You're never going to reach transcendence. Transcendence to me is more about presence and a meditative state in the bedroom. And it's about exploring sexuality apart from actually the idea of I'm just going to get some pleasure and I'm just going to get off. Some of the best uh, sexual experiences of my life have been experiences that were m more meditative and I didn't even, you know, come or, or, or she didn't either. And, the, and, you, and a lot of people who've never experienced this wouldn't even know what this is like if they're just about pleasure. So I do think a lot of our insecurities come from the idea that we think we have to get and give pleasure. And if we don't, we're a failure, right? And, and, and honestly, I'll say one more thing here because it's just a pet peeve of mine as well. And this goes into honesty. Uh, and this goes into a lot of conversations I've had with men um, and also just something for women to be aware of. Most men that I uh, am close with find it very uh, disturbing and dishonest for a woman to fake orgasm. Mm -hmm. And orgasm is, uh, women faking orgasm is incredibly common. And most of the guys I know, my close friends, know and accept the fact that they're not always going to be able to get um, their woman to that place and are completely fine with it, but are a little bit insulted when a woman fakes. Now, to be honest, most of us aren't going to know, right? Like we're, we're not really going to know, but we can, you know, we also, you know, have an intuitive sense about us. And so we can have an intuitive sense that that wasn't real and that doesn't feel very good and it actually feeds into our insecurities as men and so my whole thing is if you're wondering about male insecurities and yet you're faking orgasm all the time you know then you might be feeding into that and it is a catch-22 for women right because it's like look there are a very high amount and men need to understand this there's a pretty high and significant amount of women who cannot come through penetration and a, and a fairly high amount that don't really come at all. And, and ev pretty much every woman doesn't come always, even if they are, you know, um, good at achieving that. And this is something that men also need to be aware of to allay their insecurities, right? Well, that's the thing is that it, it, it does. Yeah. There, there's so many issues with, with, I have, I have so many issues with uh, faking orgasms. And what's, what's interesting is that, something that is very specific to me is that if I on any level do not trust the man that I'm with on any level, doesn't, doesn't mean that I feel like he's going like to go out and cheat on me, but just if there has been any seeds of distrust planted, I usually will have issues 
with that. Um, in, in order to actually have an orgasm, I need to deeply trust the person that I'm with. And then, then there's no issues at all. But I have to really trust the person that, that I'm with. And that's part of that connection piece that then needs to be cultivated. I, I just think that the, and the whole idea of the um, being good at sex, that, <laughs> that is so incredibly subjective. And curiosity, I will always come back to this. Curiosity is such a crucial part of any relationship. And no matter which, which type of relationship, how you apply it, including and especially in the bedroom. And I think that part of the problem is that we have defined sex and maybe, maybe porn, you know, I'm sure porn has contributed to this as well, that we have defined sex as, um, both parties, you know, need to orgasm and then like, or that, that once men orgasm, that that's the end of sex. That is a very narrow definition of what sex is. Sex, sex is also messy. It is incredibly vulnerable. It is primal. It is, there, there's so many different aspects to this. And when we define sex as just two people having sex until uh, one or both, but usually the, the male gets off and then sex is, is done or that sex it is, not, is not an experience worth having unless one or both parties is getting off. Don't get me wrong. It's great when both parties like actually have an orgasm and, and all the things like, yes, beautiful. But that's not the only aspect to sex. What is it that you want out of your relationships? What is it that you want out of your sexual experiences? What, what kind of connection do you want to cultivate within that? Because sex is such a beautiful way to cultivate connection, whether or not one or both parties orgasm. And just looking at things through this, this different lens where we can expand our horizons a little bit to appreciate sex for what it is and to, to not necessarily even make penetration the goal. In fact, sometimes I would argue that if, if somebody is having uh, maybe issues in the bedroom with their partner, take ejaculation and orgasm for both parties off the table for a little while. Take it off the table. That doesn't mean you don't have sex. That means that you explore sex from a different angle and you don't necessarily make that the goal that gets like put up on some pedestal, like explore the other ways that you can cultivate pleasure for yourself with each other. Um, maybe each of you, maybe it's like a mutual masturbation thing instead. If you've never done that, like that can be an incredibly beautiful experience. Not only that, but foreplay, particularly for women. But honestly, I do think that it's actually a little bit more for men than, than they are sometimes given credit for. Foreplay is what happens in the hours, days, weeks, and months leading up to a sexual experience. So it, it, is, it is in the trust that is cultivated. It is in the, the integrity. It's in the um, feeling seen, heard, uh, understood, cared for, even in like small little moments, like doing something to make your partner's life like just a tiny little bit easier by doing some little task for them that makes them feel extra loved and, and cared for. It's in those moments that the connection is built and then that can translate into the bedroom. But if we... If we are able to expand this very narrow view that we have of sexuality, you might find that an entirely new world opens up for you with your partner and with yourself and your own sense of sexual pleasure. The other issue is communication because a lot of women, women fake orgasms for so many different reasons. I, I, I this is, this can happen because they are stroking the male's ego. 
Um, they feel like it's their responsibility to make the man feel good about himself. So they want to make, make him feel good. Like, Oh, you know, great job. Like you got me off. Um, it, it can, it can be because maybe she just wants it over with like, there, there can be so many different reasons why a woman fakes an orgasm. One of the biggest issues though, I think at the root of that is communication from a variety of different angles. And this is partly why it's so important to get to know your own body so that you also then can start to cultivate the safety within a relationship and, and cultivating that connection to communicate what you actually like, what it is that you want, what you don't like. And on the other side of that, being open to receiving the feedback is important too, because that can be, again, a very vulnerable moment where it egos can be bruised very easily, especially in such a, a vulnerable setting like that. So being very careful about how you, you know, taking, taking your, your partner's uh, feelings very much into consideration and, and explaining it with compassion, but you can tell someone or, or show someone how you like something done in a really beautiful way that will benefit both of you. And then you can experience even more pleasure. They will experience more pleasure because you are experiencing more pleasure. And it just turns into a beautiful mutual experience. Mm -hmm. But that communication piece has to happen. If you are, if you are not able to communicate with your partner, you're probably not going to have a very satisfying sex life. And that can lead to a not very satisfying relationship in general. You have to get comfortable with communication both inside of the bedroom and out. Yeah, and insecurity and, and communication is tough because, I mean, the fact of the matter is most people don't know how uh, to communicate uh, this kind of stuff. And our natural proclivity, just in general, you'll see different types. But if you're going to – if you want someone to change a behavior, let's make it without sex. Let's just say, you know um, – let's say you want your partner to wash the dishes more. Uh, what a lot of people will do is they'll be like, you never wash the dishes. How come you don't ever do the dishes? And they'll kind of have this complaint around the dishes. And Instead, then my brain immediately goes on the defense to immediately search for that one time that I did do the dishes just to tell you that I did. <laughs> exactly. And because your brain does that, the better approach with anyone is to find what they're doing really well if they don't do the dishes, find another area where they're they're helping to help them see, like, I appreciate this about you. And you will reinforce that behavior. Most of the time when you tell people they're doing something wrong, you can create more insecurity. So in the bedroom, it's far better to be like, don't, you know, it's far better to be, to not go, don't do that, do this instead. It's more like find out what they're doing that you really love, you want them to do more of and tell them how much you love that. That's going to give them some uh, sense of confidence and competence in the bedroom. And then once they have that, and, they're, and now they're, that's the way you open. You open communication with, in my mind, positive reinforcing communication rather than saying, do it like this. And then you begin to say, oh, my God, I loved that. It would have been amazing if you, if you did this. Instead of saying, but use the and thing, right? So it's like, I love that and I would love this, right? Um, instead of going, I'd love that, but if you had done this, it would have been better. You know, it's more like, oh my God, I love that and I would love this, right? That's a very different way. And I don't, and the reason I'm going through this is because a lot of people don't understand how to communicate in these ways. The other thing is, is that on the other side, if you are the person who's more insecure, the last thing you want to do is be preempting everything you do. The last thing, especially 
with a woman, and I've heard this over and over again, is to be like, does that feel good? How about that? Is that it? Did you come yet? Like, what did I, is that okay? Like, it, this, this then just is like, now it's becoming like, I don't even know what that is. And so there is a debrief period uh, afterwards. Ooh, that, yes, let's talk about know, aftercare. Th that that yes. basically is, and, and by the way, when I say afterwards, I don't necessarily mean a post-orgasm, but, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't, ha in other words, you didn't have to orgasm, but there always should be, in my mind, a good lover is always going to be there and, like, be in a place where they caress their lover, and it's not just over. It's okay, now the penetration and the stimulation and all that's done. It's like, let's be here for a minute. That's one of the most beautiful aspects of orgasm anyway, this place where you're sort of in this such a present state. You're sort of in this buzzing, glowing sort of state. And you get to sit there and hold each other and talk, you know, and that's where the debrief sort of comes from. And from my perspective, it should always start with, oh, my God, I loved this. Oh, my God, that was so hot. Oh, my God, that was, and, oh, you know what I was thinking about, right? And then all of a sudden, like, it's like, oh, like, this is what they really like. And once, and then, you know, weeks perhaps later, you know, several times later, you begin to open up, oh, I would love if you did this. In other words, you establish that we talk about this and we have this debrief thing. And then you begin to establish uh, that trust of like, oh, we, we talk about, you know, what we like. And then we can go, and I'd like to try this or that. And then it can open up into, and this is a fantasy of mine. Mm -hmm. you know? And what happens is people try to do this all at once, which breeds the insecurity because it's not how it works. It needs to go relatively slowly. The other thing I would say about men, uh, two men, is that women, you know, if you're all about pleasure, right, your, your own pleasure, what you're not doing is tapping into um, what uh, – the signals are being sent. One of the one of the issues men have and women complain about, and this this is another thing that has to do with genitalia. Women are tucked in; they're hidden away. Uh, the clitoris is uh, in different places. Um, sometimes it's smaller. Sometimes it's bigger. Uh, you know, some women have more or less labia. Men, it's like the, you know, he has an erect penis. If I if I take that and stimulate it. It, you know, but women oftentimes, men can't even find, you know, where to touch. And it drives women nuts. And, but as a man, you can see her moving her hips and feel her moving her hips around, up or down, side to side. What she's doing is trying to get you in the right place without telling you. And oftentimes, you know, if she does take your hand, let's say, and put it in the right place, pay attention to that. And don't take it personally. Just understand she's, you know, don't get insecure about it. Take it as a as a sign that this woman is, is trusting you and actually showing you something incredibly valuable. And if you're going to make that a place of insecurity, then that's your fault. Then you're ma still making it all about you. But to me, you can pick up an awful lot, and women are going to show you in the way they're moving, the way they're breathing, the way you're going to feel that difference. But if you're just all about your own pleasure and you're too tapped into your insecurity, you're going to miss it. And that's how come I say go slow, uh, learn to touch, don't just go to penetration and pounding. You know, this is going to help uh, your insecurities as a man. And I think any woman, and I, I want to hear your take on this, but I think most women are trying to help you figure it out. And also understand you're not abnormal that you can't figure it out because every new female lover you're with, it's, it's far easier for a woman to be able to be, go, oh, I know I, I've seen a penis and I know basically what to do with it. But for, for men, it's going to be tough because it's going to be hard to find how this woman is built. 
and where they like to be touched, especially internally. Like we know that there's not a G spot inside a woman. There's many spots inside a woman that vary from woman uh, to woman. And it can generally be in the same place. So you might want to, A, look for it there first, but you don't just go like that's where it is, right? And um, that is, I think, a really important piece. And one, one thing, one hint that I could give to just women here too is that this is one thing that a lot, a lot of women don't know. So this whole thing about finding where a, a woman's clitoris is for a man. Women also don't know one thing that a lot of men won't tell them is that on the penis there is an area that is just like the clitoris. It's called the frenulum, mm -hmm. and it's basically where the head of the penis essentially meets and sort of folds in. And that area right there is the most, it's sort of like the male clitoris. It's usually the most sensitive on a man. And this is why oftentimes if, for example, you're given oral and you're just using your mouth and not your hand and not stimulating that particular place, you may not be able uh, to essentially uh, get him there. By the way, for you men, this is also why a lot of masturbation overstimulating that place in the same way women who use vibrators can dampen the sensitivity of the clitoris, men who uh, you know, are constantly um, you stimulating themselves can also dampen the sensitivity of this area. So these are all things just to basically give you some heads up on you don't need to be insecure about these things, but you should be aware of these things. So there's this fine line from being so confident, like I'm the best in bed, you know, and being so confident about that versus being completely insecure. The truth is you don't know. The you confident types who think you know, you actually don't unless you're exploring that particular partner. And you insecure types who think you're clueless actually need to understand that the truth is you are clueless about that new lover. And you should treat each, you know, you don't have to be insecure about it because you can treat it as an exploratory process, both helping them figure you out mentally and physically and uh, figuring them out. And what a beautiful way to, to create that, that connection with each other. Like what a beautiful opportunity to be able to do that and to take the time to, to be present, to get to know your lover in that way is really powerful. And, and there are so many women I've talked to and I've experienced this in the past before myself because it, it feels, it feels almost traumatic when you, when you have sex with a man and then as soon as the sex is over, like he's, he's like rolled over and gotten to sleep. Or whatever. So that that aftercare piece is really, really important. And it's important for both parties. Like it's really meaningful for both. And there is such intimacy that can be created in those moments. If you feel like you're lacking in intimacy in, in your relationship, this is a really beautiful place to start with that and to ask questions. And if you are afraid to ask the questions, ask yourself why. Like, are you afraid to get the answers? Are you afraid that more insecurities will come up if your lover suggests that, that he or she would like something done a different way? Because that's, that's on you to manage your own expectations around that and to shift that into like, what a beautiful opportunity that your lover is giving you instead to help both them and you experience more pleasure and create even deeper intimacy together. Mm. That, that is an opportunity. So we have to, to reframe some of these moments that we can take something very personally, but instead be like, oh, this is a gift. 
this is a gift to actually get even closer with my partner and to be able to create something even more beautiful in, in really, really powerful ways. There's, there's so many aspects to this conversation that I'm sure you and I could go on all day about, but I, I feel like we'll probably start wrapping it up. Is there anything else that, that you want to add? Yeah, I was just, I was going to say the same thing. I think, I think we can wrap it up with one more area. Maybe this is the final sort of aspect of this. Let's take it out of the bedroom just for a minute. So mm -hmm. I think women can understand this is also not really talked about with men a lot. Uh, one key thing that, you know, you've mentioned and you and I've talked about before is how a man not owning a woman, right, uh, is a big insecurity of a woman and can trigger her insecurities. Like, why aren't you sharing me? Mm -hmm. Why aren't you introducing me? Why aren't you on social media and all this kind of stuff? Now, the male equivalent of that outside of the bedroom, I think there's many different areas and all men are different. So figure your man out. But one, I could tell you that's a big complaint and a big insecurity of men is that women need to be owned. Men need to be respected. You know, so that's where these I don't love this language, but uh, I'll use it here because I think uh, it, it feeds into this. This is where some of you know, this language like my king or my queen or stuff like that come from, uh, I think like men want to be seen uh, by their very nature as capable, like they have potential like they are heading somewhere, whether you're in a relationship with them or not, if men don't feel like they have potential, like they are capable, like they are confident, like they can show up strong, that, that is incredibly uh, um, wrecking to their mood, to their uh, vitality, to uh, their sense of self, self-worth, and self-esteem. What men need and want the most from their women is that their women see them that way and at least believe that they can be that way. And I think one of the biggest thing that oftentimes women do is they don't realize that when men fail at something, they really need someone to say, babe, I got you and you're such an amazing man and uh, I love the way you show up. And it, it, it's sort of like this. Think back to women are a little different this way. Like men will see a woman you know, um, in her panties or something like that first thing in the morning and be like, oh, my God, she's so hot. Or see her, like, with just a T-shirt on in the kitchen and just be like, she's so hot. She's so beautiful. Women are slightly different. They see their man, like, you know, um, I don't know, changing, you know, a tire or fixing a car or, you know, uh, seeing them, like, deliver a, a pitch for work or uh, seeing them on stage talking or seeing them when when women see their men doing things out in the world women can be very turned on by seeing their man in that particular place and when they don't they can oftentimes be like ah, he's not doing anything or see him as you know ineffectual and that is the worst thing you can do for a man in fact I would argue that if you want a man to go outside of the relationship or find emotional intimacy elsewhere or disconnect from you, you start to see him or, or uh, make him feel as if he is not uh, good, not respected, has no potential. That is the worst thing you can do for a man, and it breeds insecurity, and it will show up in all areas of life, including your sexual you know, relationship with a man. So, man. so I would just point that out. Now, me as a man, I could tell you I have one rule. Like if a woman uh, disrespects me or sees me uh, in a way or any of that, I'm out. Like I don't I just don't do that. That's like, you know, usually most things it's like we're going to figure that out. Those are hardcore rules. Like for me, it's just like if I if I have a woman like I once uh, had, uh, you know, um, 
a, a girlfriend of mine call her husband uh, a pussy. And I remember being like, dude, any woman ever first to me that way that I'm romantically involved with, it is over. Like, there is no way you're going to call me a loser or a pussy. There's actually a famous song, Jerry Maguire. This is the cute little movie with, uh, I forget, uh, the uh, Tom Cruise and I think Renee Zellweger. But anyway, there's this point where he's with his fiance and she goes, you're not a loser in like sort of this sarcastic way. And he goes, wait a second, who said anything about loser? And that's when they break up. And I think it's, it's important to remember if, I'm, if you cause your man to see that way or feed into his, that, it's going to be done. That is a major, major insecurity as a man. That's huge for men. And, and I just, I did an entire podcast episode on this once as well, that we need to surround ourselves. And this goes for anyone, no matter how you identify with people who, who believe in us. That is really important. I dated a guy who did not believe in me and I broke up with him pretty fucking fast mm-hmm. because he, he maybe believed in elements of me, but he, he did not believe in what I was capable of. And I was out. I was totally out because I, I recognize so deeply the power that comes from being surrounded by people who believe in me. I would not be where I am today if it was not for people believing in me before I believed in myself. And I, I see what, what a gift that can be. I also see how you can crush people by not believing in them. And that's really, really important. The last thing I, I will say as well just because it ties in really well with this episode and then we'll definitely wrap it up is that we do not own our partner's fantasy life. We do not own our partner's fantasy life. And I have heard a lot of people, particularly women make this argument that uh, it's a form of cheating if their partner is fantasizing about uh, another woman, even if he never does anything about it, that that is like a form, a form of betrayal. Mm. And I understand where they're coming from. I, I get it. Like, I understand the point that they're trying to make. But Wednesday Martin is a, a researcher. She wrote a book called Untrue. And I actually want to, to bring her on my podcast where she, she shatters a lot of the myths that we hold around female sexuality. I really recommend the book if, if anyone wants to check it out. And one of the the things, one of the many things that she pointed out through the research is that women have incredibly rich fantasy lives, often even more so than men. Again, we're shattering some stereotypes here and regularly will fantasize about people other than their partners. That doesn't mean that they're doing anything about it. We all as humans have very rich imaginative inner worlds. And there is nothing wrong with having a particular fantasy. Now, if you are fantasizing about the same person over and over again, who, who you are not in a relationship with, and I'm not talking like a celebrity, I'm talking someone who would realistically be a potential sexual partner for you, like a friend or an old lover or something like that, maybe like a, a, a teacher or whatever you, that is something to be concerned about. So again, there's some gray area here, but if you are constantly fantasizing about like the same person over and over again, who is not your partner, that may be problematic. If you have a a fantasy that you indulge yourself in occasionally, like when you masturbate or whatever, where it's about someone who isn't your partner, I do not see anything wrong with that. And it is, to me, it is very much part of being human and trying to control that in your partner. Again, like stifling aspects of themselves as opposed to, and not a, you don't even necessarily need to share it with your partner either. So this is the other thing is that honest, open, direct communication. I am all for, I'm the biggest proponent of 
And I also think that there are aspects that we don't necessarily need to communicate to our partner because it would actually be an unnecessary breeding ground for insecurity. 100%. And again, there is gray area on this where, where I'm like, okay, you know, like where, where is the exact line? But if, um, if I'm in a relationship with someone and I have a fantasy about someone else, just like one, two, two times perhaps, I don't see how what benefit it would be to share with my partner by the way i fantasized about someone else a couple times hope you're cool with that Mm. that is just going to create seeds of doubt with them even if i'm never going to do anything about it that's it's just unnecessary but if i'm having if i if i'm fantasizing about somebody else like consistently all the time then yes that may need to create a dialogue even and first of all within myself of like okay well what's going on here like that that's something that we need to look internally within and that may end up needing to be a conversation with our partner but we do not own our fantasy own our partner's fantasy life yeah you know it's interesting too if you want to you want to really get someone super insecure have them share something vulnerable sexually with you yes and then say oh my god that's so dysfunctional like like you know i don't know baby i would love to see you with another man or something like that and you're just like, what the hell? Like, that will make them more insecure. However, those things are things that you would then have a discussion about. But I agree with you. In one way, I deal with that as a man is I just assume that's going on. Mm-hmm. Because I just, to me, the way I look at stuff is I just go, humans are humans. So I'm, I'm pretty positive my lover, especially after being with her for a while, is probably at some point going to fantasize about a past sexual encounter or somebody or something other than me. And I just, I start from the thing of like, so what? It's got nothing to do with me. But this is why, you know, I said earlier in this podcast, a lot of this has to do with maturity. Like to me, if you go out and act that out and don't tell me, then that's a hard, like you lie to me, then I'm just, um, it's done. But I just assume this is what humans do naturally. They're going to have a fantasy world. They're going to sometimes imagine being with other people perhaps and to me, I just go, that's, that's something that you just assume, at least I just assume, that's going on. And it's not something I uh, concern myself uh, with in that regard. And I do think that's why, you know, it's funny that you went there. Because when you went there, I'm thinking in my head, damn, you just went there. <laughs> and, and, like, honestly, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, no. That's just, like, I would, oh, imagine, yeah. I would imagine most people listening to us right now are having a really hard time yep. with this. And, but I would say 100% agree with that um it's just normal stuff and i'm just really big on letting humans be humans and being aware and and just honest the fact that humans are humans especially in sexuality you cannot uh you know paint your sexual brain with ev- with your partner and you have to realize that they are unique you have to let them express that and you have to uh you know uh be in a place where you get to see how you two fit, realizing that you're never in all aspects. Not you're never gonna fit completely, and this is a very, very important aspect of this. And I would say, if to your point, if you're gonna try to own your partner's uh, fantasy life, that that sex is gonna get pretty bad pretty quick, and that relationship probably ain't gonna be as fulfilling as you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. I think ultimately the 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 point that I really want to um, make before we sort of wrap up is just 
expanding into the fullness of yourself and what and and allowing the other person to expand into their own fullness and allowing the relationship itself to expand into its fullness and the more we try to stifle aspects of ourselves or shame someone or shame ourselves or limit ourselves you you are just you're you're stamping down the possibilities that are very open and available to you so the more you can allow that expansion to happen with exploration with curiosity with um, with with love and and even like like platonic love in in some ways like just allowing that intimacy the space to grow and providing the fertile ground for it to grow within that is where you will be able to cultivate the relationships that you want. Yeah, let's share one very funny. <laughs> I want to share one very funny thing with everyone before we wrap up. And I'm like, oh, God, what is he going to say? Know, and, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's just something that's funny because even I mentioned, so I'm like, well, you went there, so I'm going to go here. <laughs> and, then, and then we'll wrap up. But one other thing that I will say that's just funny as hell and has to do with me and my um, hetero male friends is when hetero female friends are getting sexual advice from their <laughs> homosexual male friends. You're going there. <laughs> yeah. Th this is something I just think is absolutely – but it goes to this whole thing about <laughs> quit trying to paint the brush right. broad like this. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you the vast majority of hetero men – are going not to be into what the vast majority of homosexual men are into. And so homosexual men, if you're listening to this, please don't give your heterosexual <laughs> girlfriends advice for us heterosexual men. In the same way, you probably wouldn't want us heterosexual men giving homosexual men advice about how to be with men. It's just, this is the kind of thing that I just think is uh, hilarious to me because it just goes sideways. But I really love this conversation because I think it's really important. And hopefully all of you are listening. These are the kind of conversations, right, that, that I think we no one has, which is why we wanted to have it. And it's just stuff that we kind of, you know, it's not, obviously we don't want to have these conversations like in, you know, around family at Thanksgiving necessarily. Well, like at your like, house, like yes. At my house we do. <laughs> but I do think hopefully a lot of people listen to this and they go, I might not tell people about this conversation, but I got something deep from this conversation. This will be one of the episodes that you and I both have episodes on our podcast where it ends up being like one of the top downloaded episodes, but no one talks about it. Yeah, I, ha I have one, <laughs> embarrassingly, that one was that, that was uh, how to be a good lover. And of course, in, in the beginning of that podcast, I go, look, I'm not saying I'm a good lover. I'm probably horrible <laughs> for some, and, and but I can tell you some things I've learned from mainly from that uh, research study that I did that actually was my – uh, research study. It's too bad I've lost that data because I would really have loved oh, you to. Lost oh it? yeah. Oh no. Yeah. It was on an old Survey Monkey account, and I can't, I can't oh. uh, find it. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think these are important conversations to be had in this realm. So thank you for hanging out and another, <laughs> another fun uh, conversation. This is just a tiny window into the things that Jade and I talk about. Yeah. More, more to come. <laughs> have, have, have a good time, everybody. And thanks Bye. for hanging out with us. <laughs>Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. 
Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.